What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is a Double Shot of Sports Podcast on the mics. You got me, you got Hector, and on mic two, you got John. How you doing, John? How are you feeling today? Um, feeling a little bit better. Still recovering from ACL, which was 100% worth it. First time doing the whole three-day weekend, but definitely had a good time. And um, I guess one of the good things about it was that I didn't have to watch the total dud of a game on Sunday. I just had to read about it and not oh, waste dude, three hours man. watching that thing. This was such a bad weekend for Texas sports. <laughs> the Longhorns lose, the Cowboys lose, the Texans won, right? But they were the only ones, I think, that ended up winning, which kudos to you. You picked them. Um, the Astros even lost in the in their, their game one. It was just a shitty, shitty week for, for – uh, for college, I mean for college, for Texas sports. But um, the highlight of that shitty week was, of course, the famous star taking another L. Yet another L. That's three in a row now. We were riding high 3-0. and We've been 0-3 over the last three weeks. What do you take from the loss on Sunday, uh, JP? Um, well, obviously, it was an incredibly huge bummer. I, I, they kind of... um. I'm not as down as I thought I was going to be, but they do kind of put the team in a really awkward predicament because this was the game that they really needed to have. This was one of their, what was supposedly going to be one of their easier games on the schedule. And um, I can't remember by which metric it was, but I remember reading that through um, week 7 through 16, the Cowboys actually have the most the toughest schedule remaining in the league. And so this was kind of a game that they couldn't pass up, a game that they needed to take care of. But obviously that didn't happen. And the part that makes me feel not so down was that, you know, it's kind of um, kind of a repeat of issues from the week before that we didn't really have control of. I think a lot of it really is injuries. You're missing your main offensive tackles. Amari Cooper leaves early with the quad injury. You don't have Randall Cobb. And, um, I mean, granted, it was still against the Jets. You should have enough in the tank to to take a, to, to kill off the Jets. But it's understandable, I guess. And we also had injuries to the defense, which I kind of feel bad that I called last week. When we were talking about how Leighton Vanderes kind of seemed slow and, uh, we mentioned that uh, I kind of hope that there's a lingering injury that we didn't know about because then that would give us a, a reason for it. And then it turns out that he is, he does have a hurt. I think it's a knee. Yeah, right? it was and a then knee he's injury. also, he also has uh, some kind of sickness or some kind of disease. Something's going on with him. Um, that's ailing him. So there's, I don't want to say good news, but that is a little bit of, okay, well, there's a reason for it. He's not just regressing for no reason. Um, but ultimately, it is bad news for us. Um, the thing is that, I, yes, we sh- absolutely 100% should have taken this game. We needed to take this game because, like you said, we have the hardest remaining schedule for the next few weeks um, in the NFL. And this, but this wasn't something that we should have just looked over. I mean, with the return of, it, it would have been different if it was still Luke Falk behind center and again i'm not making excuses we should have won this game but you couple missing our two tackles which are two of the best tackles in the game 
and then uh, missing Amari Cooper for some of the game. And then you couple that you couple that with the return of Sam Darnold, who is he's not. And I thought I was one of the people who thought that he was just whatever. He's a bum. He's not going to do anything. He really does make a huge difference in that offense. You see how Robbie Anderson came out of the gates. Robbie Anderson ended up scoring the second longest touchdown in Jets history. Obviously, that would happen against us. Yeah, that was and such a Jameson Carter. I mean, they were firing on all cylinders. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say this was all about the Cowboys losing because it's kind of to that would discredit what Sam Darnold did. Sam Darnold threw 338 yards, I think, or something like that. The Jets had not thrown. There is no one Jet player that had thrown for over 200 yards since Sam Darnold was gone. Uh, I think in week two, they, got, they threw for over 200 yards together, but yeah. that's because... Uh, Simeon threw for 198, and Luke Falk threw for three yards, I think, or something like that, or vice versa. But they didn't get anywhere near those num- anywhere near the numbers that Sam Darnold was capable of. So you see what happens when he's able to open up the passing game. It doesn't hurt that you have Le'Veon Bell in the back in the backfield, <clears throat> because then you you get him going, and then he's your workhorse. And and there's just so many ways that you can go with that football, especially with that receiving core. They're not a bunch of pro bowlers, but they are a bunch of very experienced pass catchers that um, obviously, given some time and some space, can can go to work. And um, like you mentioned earlier, was that there, there was also enormous problems on the defensive end, too. The Jets came into this game only scoring two touchdowns, two offensive touchdowns. And in this game alone, they had... What, four, I believe? Yeah. Yeah. And to add on to the injury list that we didn't mention before was that, um, was it Tyrone Crawford, I think it was, um, is going to be, um, oh, yeah, yeah, he's going to be. He'll be out for the yeah, season. Yeah, out for the season with hip surgery as well. So there's another hit on their, on their injury, on the, on the injury list for them. And, um, another, and, um, Another thing too is it's kind of it kind of feels like the, like we're repeating the same thing too is that nobody was really able to give Dak a break like it feels like Dak was one of the ones who actually was a bright spot in the game but no but he was constantly facing pressure and there is still a lot of dropped passes by the receivers as well and so I want to I wanted to pull this up right here can you um Take a guess as to where the Cowboys rank on dropped passes by receivers this year. Oh God, I really hope it's not outside the. No, I sorry. In most drop passes, I hope it, we are outside the top ten. I hope we're not in there, but I would say that we're probably eight. We're number one. Number one, it. We've dropped the most passes. Yeah, dropped the most passes oh, in wow. the league. And not only that, but they constantly, they constantly are having to go, like the going, constantly needing to go the distance of the field. Really, special teams is not really helping them out at all as far as getting good position to start um, offensive drives. No, Tavon Austin had a combined, I think, eight yards on his returns this past weekend. Yeah. So if you want to, and so. Across the league, looking at the number of drives that are started in the opponent's territory, you flip that over, and we are last. 
we have not we're at last with zero. We have not had a possession this year that started in the opponent's side of the field. Whereas really which, wow. Whereas number 1 49ers have had 13. And that's why they're undefeated. Well, that and because they have an, a monster on defense. But see so you think about if we're number 1 in drop passes and Dak is still throwing close to, if not over, 300 a game. I just, I don't understand how or why people would blame any of this on Dak Prescott. He was getting beat down this week. It was disgusting. On that last play, that la- that two point conversion, he didn't even have a, he didn't have two seconds. He didn't have a second. No. As soon as he dropped back, they 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 pummeled He's him. He's constantly hurt. He was not getting any protection. Yeah, and the thing is that that Dak. Yes, we're we're on a three game losing streak. He, but he's not to blame. He is literally everything that you want in a quarterback in those kinds of situations. He's cool, calm, collected. He's never panicking. You never see him trying to scramble or throw wild interceptions when when the time comes. You know, he comes down there. He marches down the field. He puts up six. Puts you in a position to win every time. I'm never scared if we go into our last drive and we're down by a touchdown. I mean, I'm worried because I don't want to lose, but I don't think that Dak is going to throw an interception. I don't think that he can't do it. I'm never not hopeful. Yeah, it's it's been a really strange season for Dak because, and, and especially for me as someone who in previous years was a bigger critic than others of Dak because now I, I feel myself coming more and more on his side and being a bigger supporter of him. And I feel like even in just these six games, He's gone through a lot of growth, but you know we can't see that in the standings because in so many other ways he's being let down. You know he's been efficient. He has really made the most of the situation that he's had. He's really um, covered up for the line, covered up for the receivers, covered up for Zeke, and uh, but there's nothing to show for it because they're not winning the games because of everybody else, and and the defense as well. Yeah. So. This game is now in the books. Hopefully we can we can uh, improve on our offensive line. We really need – I don't know what the timetable is for Tyron Smith. I'm sure it's less for Lyle Collins, but hopefully we can get both of them back. It, I don't think either of them are on the IR yet. No. Um, but we'll definitely need some kind of help. I hope Amari's not out because we have the Eagles coming in this weekend. I don't know if you heard the press conference or the call on Monday, but Doug Peterson has guaranteed a win for his team. He said that they're not worried that they're going to come down into Dallas, win this game, and then they'll be in, in control of their own destiny. If it if it and, was if it uh, was that's any not other very team, common among coaches, if it was any other team, I would say they probably have a point. But they just got their shit kicked in by Minnesota, so <laughs> yes, they're coming off a loss too. I think it's but the but then like I hate it. I hate that he said that. I'm pissed. <laughs> I hope that we react the right way. But then Jason Garrett, they ask him about it, and he's like, yeah, you know, we're excited about the opportunity to have a, play a great team. You know, they're a great team, and uh, I think it's going to be a great game, great matchup. And No, dude, this is football. Somebody's gonna, Somebody is literally saying that they're coming into your house to beat you and take control of the division. And your response is they're a great team. I'm excited to have the opportunity to play a great game with them. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Be a man. Come on. I mean, he is, like, probably the most vanilla coach in the entire league. I can't think of a coach more boring than Jason Garrett in the in the entire league. 
The guy, honestly, the guy just sits back and just and just does Jerry Jones's bidding, which is why he's been the coach for ten years with nothing, no, nothing really to show for it in the postseason. And uh, which is another thing too that I wanted to ask is at what point do this? I would say that this was their first like really bad loss. What what needs to happen in order for his job status to actually be in jeopardy because I feel like this is another thing that Cowboys fans are conflicted about I feel like the consensus is more that they would like to have another coach other than Jason Garrett I feel like they're hoping that at some point he gets replaced but if they come back and perform better that's just building the case for him to come back because it looks like Jerry Jones is just looking for any excuse to bring him back and so even if the team performs adequately the rest of the year. It seems like he's a lock to return. It seems like things have to go horribly, just you know, take a total. It would have to be a total train wreck for him to for him to not come back. Yeah, personally, for me, and I think for a lot. Well, I think for the majority of Cowboys fans, they'd probably want him gone now. Um, for me, if they get beat down this week, and but this here's what sucks too is that usually. Philadelphia beats Dallas in Dallas, but then we almost always pick up the win in Philly. Now they didn't go that wasn't the way it was last year. We swept them three games. But if we lose, if they come into Dallas and beat us down, I would love personally I would love for him to be gone that night. I don't want to see any more of Jason Garrett. I don't care if he goes to Washington, I don't care where he goes, but I think they need to fire him. But I think the only way that Jerry Jones considers firing Jason Garrett is if we don't make playoffs. And the bad thing about that, <laughs> uh, the bad thing and good thing, I guess, kind of, is that, yeah, we're 3-3, three and three, we're on a three-game skid, but we kind of have to keep hope. Like, we can't we can't just say, oh, it's right, let's write it off already. We're losing, what, let's sit some stars. Well, obviously, it's too early to do that, but even still, we, we still can't judge. We don't know where we're going to be at the end of the season <clears throat> because – as we both mentioned earlier, the, 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 the schedule is going to get nothing but tougher, right? But we have the Eagles next. Let's say we lose that game. Even if we lose that game, the Eagles are up by one. But then we play the Giants the next week, and the Eagles play the Bills. And that's not going to be an easy game for them. And yeah. honestly, I have the Bills winning that. Yeah. Um, so we have Giants, Vikings, Lions, Patriots, Bills. So we have a, 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 a tune-up game with the Giants, and then Vikings, Lions, Patriots, Bills. They have Bills, Bears, Patriots, Seahawks, and then Dolphins. Like, we're basically going to have the same record after. So, yeah, they're not we too should, far We're off. looking at having the same record after eight or nine games. Yeah, we're, we're no matter what, it looks like this entire season, we're going to be either one game ahead, one game behind, or tied for the lead. And that is kind of hopeful because our playoff hopes aren't gone. But then it also sucks because even if it's like a – if we miss the playoffs, but we miss it by points or by interdivision record or by half of you know home field advantage or something, Jerry Jones is not going to do anything. He's not going to fire Jason Gary. He's not going to do anything because he's going to say, "Well, we were right there, you know, and like it's fine. We just need to keep moving, keep working on this." And that's not it. It's just because our schedules are lined up symmetrically, and it's it's just not telling the whole story. The whole story that we all know already, but Jerry has found ways to slither out of it and to make an excuse to keep him this entire time. And and it's it looks like it's going to happen again. Unless 
we drastically fail, have no chance of making playoffs. He, I don't, I don't see him going anywhere. No, I don't think so either. Um, I was um, watching um, one of my favorite ESPN shows is High Noon, and um, on there uh, yesterday, former Cowboys defensive end Marcus Spears was guest was guest hosting on that show. And he was giving a little insight as to what uh, things may be like for Jason Garrett right now in the Cowboys locker room, and he feels that he feels that his position may be um, in jeopardy. Not be not even because of the wood loss record, but because he thinks that it's getting to the point where he's losing the locker room, where he feels like not necessarily that it's chaotic, but he can't get through to them anymore. And um, I thought it was really interesting because. Um, they talked about um, other coaches that they think that they would go after, say, if they were to get rid of Jason Garrett, who would they who would they target to replace him with? And he threw out the name Lincoln Riley from the Sooners. Yeah, Lincoln Riley is is um, he's obviously the hottest name in college football right now, and and he's probably the hottest name when, when you're talking about the uh, next head coach, next possible head coach for the Cowboys. However, A, I don't think he's going anywhere because he, he he's the man. He's the man in Oklahoma. He's bred two of the past – no, the last two Heisman Trophy winners, and he's probably about to do a, a third one. They're all quarterbacks. Now, he he would be great with Dak Prescott. He would be the man probably to come in and, and hone his skills and make him who he should be potentially, right? But we've all seen – yeah. College football coaches come to the NFL and just it just doesn't pan out. <laughs> Chip Kelly had Marcus Mariota. He comes over, he tears apart the Eagles roster, and then ends up back in. Now he's at UCLA. It just because they're great yeah. in college doesn't mean they're going to be great in the NFL. I do think that he would be a good coach, and I would love for him to be the next head coach. I don't think he's moving anywhere from Oklahoma though, and I I want to say that they just signed him to another deal. He's making six million this year. He's making he's he's projected to make six million oh, okay. this year, six fifteen next year, seven million, six million, six million. He's gonna make like what thirty, forty million over the next six years, something like that at at Oklahoma. So it, there, I guess the possibility is there for him to vacate that contract, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much be his for the taking. He would just ultimately have to decide whether he wants to take that step to the pro level or. You know, just bask in the glory of being an OU legend. But, uh, oh, well, I mean, <clears throat> regarding this game and what's ahead, do you have any more thoughts on it? Uh, no, no, I do not. I'm ready to forget about this past week, look forward to uh, the game against Philly, and I really, really hope yeah, that's going to be a primetime game, so there's no other games on at that time. All eyes are going to be on the NFC yeah. East. Who would have guessed that getting to second base would be the way for Sam Darnold to become? Yeah, a I know. Shit. Well, he's got that power now. He's got that courage now. He he knows that he's a man. He came back stronger than ever before. He, he was a boy, and now he's a man quarterback. He's ready to go. And you know what? My just real quick, I really, really hope that the Jets beat the Patriots this weekend. I highly doubt that's going to happen. But if they yeah. would, it would mean so much to me because it would shut so many people up. <laughs> I'm just tired of it. Just give it some sense of credibility. Yes, give our loss some kind of credibility. But um, th- okay, all go right. ahead, go ahead. 
I say no. Let's let's talk now about former Jaguar Jalen Ramsey, who's now on the team of his namesake, yeah. the Rams. Yeah, I'm surprised there haven't been memes about <laughs> and, that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that's what you should be known as if you're on the Rams. Like, instead of saying that you're a Ram now, you just say that you're now a Ram. Yeah, Ramsey. exactly, right? That, that should be the name of their fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, okay, so the deal finally went down. Jaguars finally let go of Jalen Ramsey, sending him to the Rams in exchange for, was it two first-round yeah, picks, two was first it? two first-round picks. The next two years of first-round picks. Okay. And so, obviously, if you're in a position to get Jalen Ramsey, you can't really say no to that. But initial, and, you know, obviously, from an overall talent standpoint, they're much better for it. But um, you look at their, you look at uh, what's been going on with them this season. Do you think to yourself that this was the move that they had to make? Was it really their, was it really their defense, was there, was it really their defense that they had to improve on? Or was it just a deal that they couldn't refuse? I, I think it's a. Uh, that's hard to distinguish. It's hard to say that it was one or the other because, it is going to greatly help their defense, and they've been they're also on a skid. I think they're zero and three as well, uh, over the last three weeks. So they definitely need to do something because we know they have a great <coughs> receiving core. They have a phenomenal running back. They're just not using him. They have an emerging tight end. Their quarterback. They can't do anything about their quarterbacks. They just paid them top dollar. Really, the only thing to do is is uh, hone the defense. Now, Aqib Tlaib was just put on IR on Monday. So it was weird to me that they traded Marcus Peters, who was their, their best corner and one of the best in the league. So they get rid of him, replace him with Jalen Ramsey. Uh, it's, it's a swap that is... The position will get better. I don't know if it merits the next two years of first round picks. They they haven't had a first round pick since two thousand seventeen. And now they won't have one until twenty twenty two. And Oh wow, that's yeah, terrible. And, and then on top of that, he's in a contract year. Like he, he needs he needs to get paid at the end of this year. Now I understand they weren't gonna pay Marcus Peters, which is one of the reasons why they let him go, but now they have to pay Jalen Ramsey top dollar. And you know what? If if they make it back to where they were last year and actually win the big one, the big one, then it's all worth it. And they should keep him. Now you have the best defensive lineman in the league and the best defensive back in the league. I think it's a win-win situation. He's in a better spot. They're better off on defense. Uh, it's just going to depend on how the record goes from here on out. And speaking of which, about the contracts that you had alluded to just a second ago, I'm I was reading up on their on their contract situation and you know how it it sounds like their strategy really is just going all in on this year and next year and just um, dealing with the consequences later, mortgaging the future to try to figure out how can they can be the best right now because in between. Um, in between Ramsey, um, Aaron Donald, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, and Brandon Cooks, um, that is for for next season. Between those five guys, they are making more than half of the salary cap. What's uh what's what's Brandon and Cooks' you, number? Brandon Cooks, um, 
Let me see. I can I can almost guarantee he won't be there next year. Why do you say that? He's underperforming this year. He's been being looked at as the number three, almost sometimes number four target behind Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and now Garrett Everett. Get Garrett Everett. Um, he there's they've there's just no room for him. Plus, especially at a high dollar. That's why I was asking for his number because if it's if it's that high, they'll get rid of him. Yeah, it looks like, um, let me see here, his base salary for next year, let me see, let me see, his base salary is $8 million, but after all of his bonuses, it's going to be about sixteen. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to get rid of that contract somehow, and and I said Garrett everywhere now, I meant Gerald Everett, my, my apologies, um, but yeah, they'll... They'll either trade him. I doubt they can, they can cut him. I don't know if, how the whole thing with dead money works with him. But they'll get rid of him. They'll unload him to some team that wants him, probably the Browns or the Patriots again or someone. Hell, the Seahawks need a receiver. But um, they'll, they'll restructure that, get rid of that. They will keep Jalen Ramsey, I believe. So just a quick photo on Jalen Ramsey for those of you who – really don't know how good he is. I don't like him as a person. I love him as a player. Since 2000, he got drafted in 2015, the same year as uh, Zeke Elliott. His first year playing was 2016. So I guess drafted that year too. Um, From 2016 to 2018, in those three seasons, he has played every single game and started every single game. He's very, very healthy. Never, never, almost never gets injured. He's got nine interceptions over the three years. Now, I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but it is about average. He's got 44 passes deflected. I know that doesn't seem like a high number. Over so 16 games a season, three years, 44 passes deflected doesn't seem like that much. Champ Bailey, just to put that in perspective, Champ Bailey, who was a first ballot Hall of Famer, um, he played 15 seasons. He had a hundred. He had 200. And his he holds the record for passes deflected in the NFL in history, and he had 203. Over 15 years, he's averaging. He was averaging what, uh, four or five, or no, no. He was averaging 13.5 deflections a season. Jalen Ramsey right now is averaging about 15, so he's on pace to break mm. the historical record, and it, which in turn would probably put him in the Hall of Fame at the end of his career. 193 tackles. So. An average passer rating, a good, no, not even good. An average passer rating for a quarterback is 88.6. When quarterbacks play and throw towards Jalen Ramsey, they're averaging 78.5. So the quarterbacks are performing below average against Jalen Ramsey in the corner. He only has a 1.6% burn rate. A burn rate is when there are more than five yards of separation between you and the receiver. 1.6% of the time does that ever happen. The majority, I think 90% of the time, there's 1.5 or 1.2 yards between him and his receiver. He is a absolute lockdown corner. He is a great, great defensive back. The best in the league right now, in my opinion. I think it's a win. I just hope that they don't misuse him or try to put him in the slot the whole time. Take the reins off. Let him go. He's got an attitude, but that's what DBs do. If you use them the right way, I think the sky's the limit for the Rams' defense. And ultimately, I agree with all of that. I just, I just wonder if there was, 
not a move that they can make to improve their offense, particularly their offensive line, because they need to give... I think it's pretty evident from this year so far is that they need to give Jared Goff as much support as possible because he just hasn't really looked at all like the way that he performed last year. And I know in this first year he was also kind of a dud, so it's starting to look more like the last year with his successes was the outlier compared to everything else. Last year his passer rating was 101.1, and then starting from the Super Bowl to now... 77.7 oh wow and so he's just yeah he's just taking a major dip and they uh let me see here their offensive line I, i'm looking right here their offensive line their ranking in pass blocking and their support that they're giving to jared goff they're only ahead of the dolphins they're 31st in the league in what in pass blocking uh-huh wow that's that's horrible. You, yeah, but you you yeah. also and gotta so credit as, as, some of that some of that dip to Todd Gurley not being who he was last year as well. Because Todd Gurley, he makes it to he's been making it this year to where they don't even fear the run, so they're they're able to to put the pressure on their quarterback because they're, they're gonna force him to throw. They're gonna force him to beat them through the air because they know that Todd Gurley's not there basically. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what makes me wonder, was that was this really the move to make? But I could only imagine being in the coaching staff in the manager's office and having a trade for Jalen Ramsey in reach and probably the balls to say no on that. Like they they, they just could have Yeah, yeah, you yeah, I get what you're saying. You can't pass on that. You have that option, you can't pass on it. Because that's probably if you have the money to pay him, then then getting him is the best thing you could have done with those two draft picks. Yeah, they're going to have the money to pay him. They're just not going to have the money yeah, to pay him. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, hopefully they don't neglect the O-line for too much longer. But, yeah, overall, I think it's a win. I think it's a win situation. Um, they're going to have to just draft O-linemen. And, honestly, it's just, it's a lot safer to draft an O-lineman than to draft a defensive back. So maybe that was part of their thinking as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so and so with that, they pretty much have put all their chips in for this year and next year being the years that they're trying to maximize their Super Bowl, uh, maximizing their Super Bowl runs. And so, is it is it fair to make that the barometer for this trade? That if they don't make it to the Super Bowl, then what gives? Um, at three and three, I believe they're three and three as well in a division with the. Seahawks, Niners, and Cardinals. I don't think that's fair this year. The Seahawks are playing lights out. The Niners are obviously undefeated. Unless they're banking on both wild cards coming out of their division in the NFC, which I doubt, I don't think it's fair to say that yeah. they need to make Super Bowl or bust this year. Um, I don't yeah. even think, honestly, at this point, I don't even think it's fair to say that they need to get playoffs or bust because their division their division is so stacked and their conference is so stacked. Um, but I do think that this is going to have a ripple effect and look out for Todd Gurley to be used a lot more if they are thinking of going balls to the wall and Super Bowl or bust this year. Yeah, I feel like that would be way more up their speed. 
I mean, they made it last year, and it's crazy to think that, you know, now we have to temper expectations that much for them. And especially after you add Jalen Ramsey, I feel like the mindset should only be about getting back to it after you make a move like this and sacrificing two first-rounders. That's true. That is true. Uh, the Seahawks have a tough matchup this weekend. They're playing the Ravens. So if they happen to lose, I doubt it, they're going to be at at, uh, at Qualcomm in Seattle. But if they happen to lose to the Ravens and the, uh, the Rams end up winning their matchup this weekend, I can't remember who they're playing. Um, that changes things. That shifts the standings. Then it it could possibly be Super Bowl run or nothing. Yeah. Okay. All right then. So state of the NFC East. I feel like we've covered a good chunk of that with the Cowboys and a little bit. Yeah, the, yeah. That's basically with that's Philly, basically though. all really I wanted to say about that was the whole Philly and and, and Cowboys standings. So we got that. Which is which is weird because the. They're not that far off from where they are on the season, but I feel like why are people much more confident in the Eagles than they are in the Cowboys at this point? I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I really don't <laughs> understand. Like everybody's like, oh, it's because they have Carson Wentz. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks that we've seen in the last ten years. Like, really? Because you've only seen him play like twenty games over the last three years. Like, maybe what? Yeah, not really. You know, I don't I don't get it. And and the one year the one year that both he and Dak played, Dak made him look like a child. Like Dak well, well maybe not like a child, but Dak outperformed him the whole year. That whole first year that they were in the league. Then he comes out, he's very injury prone. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I thought that he'd be injured already once by this time. But um I just I maybe it's because they've had success more re- much more recently. Maybe it's because they're they're two years removed from a Super Bowl, which I may remind everybody that that wasn't with Carson Wentz. That was with Nick Foles. But uh, yeah, exactly. I don't I don't understand. Uh, now, what I am scared of though, and I will admit this: if Deshaun Jackson comes back healthy this weekend, oh man, that guy can burn anybody. He oh, can take yeah. the top off of any defense. That's going to really Yeah, suck. so I'm hoping they don't get that together. Uh, they're running back by committee. I really don't put too many eggs in any team that does a running back by committee except for the Patriots. So I don't I don't get it. I really don't understand the, 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 I guess, gusto behind the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't understand it. Yeah. But it would be pretty crucial for them to take this game next weekend because I can't – let me see. I'm trying to look it up now. I I'm, I remember reading a story about how likely it is for teams who fall to three and four to make it to the playoffs. And it wasn't really that great for the Cowboys, I think. you know. But the difference between four and three and three and four, as history shows, is a big difference for teams making the playoffs. I think the percentage drops off dramatically by at least like 40% for teams who are at three and three and win or lose the following game. Oh yeah, no, I yeah, I, I can definitely believe that. But there's exceptions to every rule and the exception this year is that we're in the same division. You know? <laughs> One of us is gonna be three and four, yeah, exactly. the other one's gonna be four and three, but we have virtually the same schedule coming up. The only advantage really that we have or mm-hmm. that they have is that we've already played the Dolphins. They still have that game left. Oh, speaking yeah, of, that. real true quick, that. before we move on, did you see that game? The Dolphins and the Redskins? Oh, Dude, yeah. <laughs> how yeah. much more obvious can you make it that you're trying to tank? 
They Ryan Ryan Fitzmagic hey, comes they, back down. He they put you put him in the game. He drives down the field. He basically ties it up. It's seventeen sixteen. Time is running out. You have a chance to take it in overtime. And what do you do? You go for two. <laughs> hey, they're doing it right. They're doing it right. They're they're making it look like they're actually putting in an effort. They switched out Rosen for Fitzpatrick, so they got to make it look like they're trying. They put in a they put in a better quarterback. And then they and then they went for it at the very last play of the game. They got to make it look like they're trying to go for the win, and of course they're not. So you know there was a part of them thinking just like hell yeah we lost. Yes, that was and it was it was like the perfect formula, right? Because they drove down like you said they they really made it look like they were trying to to win. And if in the press conference, if anybody asked, it's a foolproof plan. Plan because if anybody asks uh, Brian Flores. Hey, why'd you go for two? He could just be like, well, we needed to win. I wanted to go for the win. I didn't want to go to overtime. We needed to win. And that's bullshit. Like, he did it because he wanted to lose. <laughs> but I understand. It was, it yeah, was played exactly. out perfectly. Kudos to him. But uh, they got the – oh, yeah. And then it's even better because they're like, all right, well, we're going to stick with Fitzpatrick this week because he did so well. It doesn't matter. They're playing the Bills this week. They could start – it doesn't matter who they play. <laughs> it doesn't matter who they start. I mean – they're they're ridiculous. I guess they're doing a good job of silently tanking, possibly, maybe I don't know, but it's blatantly obvious to me. But um, starting the Redskins defense did work out for me though. Oh yeah, do you stream any defense against those guys? I actually picked up, I picked up <laughs> Jacoby Brissett. So I guess we'll put that into the we'll move into the fantasy real quick. I picked up Jacoby Brissett because I need him in week ten. We're barely in week seven right now. But uh, I was looking at my quarterback, and I was like, ah, oh, Tom Brady, his his bye week is week 10. So I'm looking at the free agent quarterbacks, and I look at Jacoby, click on his schedule, and lo and behold, week 10, they play the Dolphins. So it was a really quick ad for me. I got that week covered. Um, Man, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you need somebody for that, for that week 10, start streaming whoever's play, playing the Dolphins, if you have room on your roster. Yeah, no, but um, let's see. So did you take a win? No, again no, I finally, my, my streak oh, no. came to an end. I, I took a loss, and I took a loss because Will Disley went down with zero points. He got hurt, oh, ruptured yeah. his Achilles. You can count on Will Disley in a PPR league for at least 12 points every game, and I lost by nine points. God, that yeah. sucks. Yeah, but, but you know, nothing else to go. And then, oh, yeah, and then uh, Robbie Anderson had a, a – uh, season night, twenty-seven points, longest, second longest touchdown in Jets yeah. history, on my bench. <laughs> oh yeah, and then I started Will Fuller, oh, and he got goodness. eight points or something like that. Like, come on, dude. That's <laughs> really hit and miss. Yeah. With oh else. yeah, they were they were doing the <laughs> most to to see me tumble. Let's see now. Well, Matt Ryan came through for me. Had almost ten points above his expectation. Um, same for. Um, Curtis Samuel in Carolina. Oh yeah, that was a pickup above. of the week. What was? You know he he's he's been another guy that's been hit or miss for me, but thankfully this week he was on target. And then um, the big one for me was James Conner from Pittsburgh. He had double of what was expected out of him. He had a, about thirty-one points. Yeah, he had for two me. touchdowns, right? Yeah, yeah, he really came. He really came through for me. He showed out. I started. And, uh, I, I rolled the dice and started both Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, and I think combined they got me fourteen points or something like that. 
Yeah, they really just they really just shit the bed this past week. Yeah, so and then Melvin Gordon came out and said, "Well, you know, it's hard to get into rhythm when you're only getting eight touches a game." So. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, he's uh, he's complaining now. About yeah, like, well, maybe you shouldn't have fucking sat out for five weeks, dude. And say, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. They they're phasing him out now. No, I don't think so though, because Austin Eckler still had like he still didn't get much. And then what sucks is that if you guys, if anybody here. <laughs> Is in a league where Hunter Henry is still a free agent. I don't think you should be in a league where he's still a free agent. But if you are, you need to <laughs> scoop him up absolutely immediately right now. You might still be able to trade for him and buy him at a medium price because he only has one game under his belt. If his owner is kind of inexperienced, do whatever you can to buy him. But he is gr- drastically going to eat into Austin Eckler's production because now Hunter Henry is oh, getting shit. all the dump-off passes. Is he available in your league? Oh <laughs> no! But I just saw. I didn't realize. I didn't realize how much he showed out this past weekend. He had thirty. Yeah, points. yeah, yeah. He well, he didn't see. He he kind of flew under the radar because last year he was out the whole year with a torn ACL, and then this year yeah. he played. I think a little bit of the first game, maybe, and then got injured again, and he barely came back. So this was his first game back. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's wild. I did not realize how. I didn't realize that he was already this good again. Yeah, because mm-hmm. no, I yeah, Hunter Henry has been really reliable for me in the past before he had all his injury yeah. history. Him and then Tyreek Hill also came back storming out of the gates. He he comes out and catches like catches like a fifty oh, yeah. something yard touchdown pass right away. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, man. Let me see here. What is what did he show for here? He got eight out. Uh, Hunter Henry got eight out of his nine targets for a hundred yards and two touchdowns. That's crazy. Yeah. See, in a PPR league, yeah, that's thirty-one points easy. And he was getting yeah. all the yeah. short downage looks or all the end goals, the first and goals, third and goals, whatever. It was all going to Hunter Henry all day. Yeah, this next week is going to be tough on me though because this is the week that most of my that my players start going on buys. So next week I'm gonna be without Connor or Samuel or Odell Beckham, so that one's gonna be a little bit harder on me. Wow. So if you have to stream a receiver right now, if you have to stream a receiver right now, uh, you have a bye week or something, you really have no other option but to look to the waiver wire. I can almost guarantee that there will be one or two of the Jets receiving options out there. And I would try and go for one of them. Demarius Thomas is probably going to be out there. If Jamison Crowder's out there, get him now. I doubt Robbie Anderson will be there. Um, in deeper leagues, or not even deeper leagues, in, in standard leagues, I, I doubt Jamison Crowder will be there either. But Demarius Thomas, I think, is is out there in a lot of leagues. Um, Sam Darnold coming back is, is greatly going to increase that offense. Now, be careful because this week they are playing the Patriots. So it's not a great matchup this week. I think next week they have the Bills. Uh-oh. So it's two down weeks, but they're about to go into an easy part of their schedule after that. And uh, the production coming out of New York is going to be a lot higher than it was throughout the first half of the season. <coughs> okay, so what you got as the game of the week this upcoming week? All right, so my game of the week this week is is it's tough. to You can't really top the last weekend's game of the week. The Chiefs and the Texans lived up to everything that we thought they were going to. Except oh, fucking yeah. Will Fuller, dude. He kept he dropped like ten passes. <laughs> oh my god! And then there was like three of them were touchdown catches. Ah, whatever. Who cares? Uh, 
My game of the week this week is going to be the uh, Minnesota Vikings visiting Detroit and the Lions. The Vikings are 4-2 and two right now, and they're on top of their division. No, sorry, they're in second place in their division behind the Packers, who did not deserve that win on Sunday night or Monday night. Um, and on the other hand, the Lions are 2-2-1, two, two and one, but they absolutely deserved that win on Monday night. Those last two penalty calls on the last drive were atrocious. Oh, God, that was Yes, bad. it was disgusting. So you know, and they, they uh, interviewed um, – I want to say it was Trey Flowers. The, they interviewed him after the game, and and he was, I mean, visibly just upset. He was so – it was those kinds of upset where you don't say anything mean. Like, he was just – because he knew it would be too mean, so he just, like, calmly uh, described what had happened. And you know that they're coming into this game with a huge chip on their shoulder and the opportunity – to possibly overtake the Vikings in the standings. The Vikings are 4-2. and two. They're t- They have two more wins than the Lions, but if they lose this game to the Lions, they'll have one more loss because of that draw in, at the beginning of the season with the Lions. Um, and the Lions aren't – they're not a team to just look over. They're, they're, they're not – obviously, they haven't been doing great. Yeah. Go ahead. They've had a weird – they've had a weird year. They've been in a lot of, of either – They've been in a lot of either uh, close games or games that just have like bizarre endings, like this past game against the Packers. Right now they're two, two, and one, but in another, but they could just as easily be five and zero oh or zero oh and five right now. They're like so like right now they are so like you don't know what to make of them. There's no real wit. Yeah, yeah, you don't. They could be really good. They could also be not that not that yeah. good. So I think their key this weekend to to uh to getting it back in the win column. They, which is going to be very hard, but they absolutely have to stop the run. Against Aaron Jones and, J- and Jamal Williams, they gave up 179 rushing yards to the Packers. Um, they're not playing Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. They're playing a bona fide starting top five running back in the league in Dalvin Cook. Now, if Dalvin Cook can get going on the ground, he's going to open up the passing game immensely for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins... Ever since he got put on blast by his receivers, has been performing like an actual quarterback <laughs> against the um, against the Eagles this weekend. He threw for three hundred and thirty three yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. Thirteen. He had twenty nine pass attempts. Thirteen of those pass attempts came from play action. If if for some reason there's somebody listening that doesn't know what play action is, play action is when you fake it to the running back and then you throw the ball down the field. Now, the reason why Dalvin Cook or why that means something is because, like I said, Dalvin Cook is a top five in the league. So people are legitimately afraid of him running the ball, which makes it much easier for you to fake a run to him because everybody's so on edge about it. If you put the ball in his chest, they're going to collapse on him. Kirk Cousins pulls it back, and then he's got five open receivers down the field. It's going to be ridiculous. Um yeah. So yeah. if they if the Lions can come out and stop the run early, they can kind of take some of the fear out of that play action threat. Like I said, Kirk Cousins had 13 of his of his passes of play action. He was of those 13, he completed 10 of them for 230 yards and three touchdowns. That's two thirds of the yards that he had in total, and three quarters of the touchdowns. Like almost everything comes off of Dalvin Cook in that offense. They have to stop Dalvin Cook if they're looking for a win. He has. So last year, Dalvin Cook had 615 yards over 11 games. This year, after five, after 
six games, he has 583 yards. He's averaging 5.4 yards per carry. He's he's running like a bat out of hell. They have to stop him if they're looking for a W. I don't think it's impossible for the for the Lions to pull out a W, um, being that they have a it's kind of a grudge for them, and it, they're at home. But I do so, uh, still see the Vikings getting off to an early lead and then just running it up. Not running it up, but staying in the lead the entire game. Yeah, the thing that I like about this part of the season is we're starting to um, get to the point where there should be a little bit more of a divide of who should we be taking seriously and who we shouldn't be. Now, granted, we still have another half of the season and things can still change afterwards, but this is where we usually see teams part ways and um, we start thinking about, okay, so who should we start seeing as the potential playoff spots? And I think Vikings and the Lions could be in that mix, but uh, whoever, but uh, it feels like whoever loses this game could be the one who's on their way out. See, and it's weird because for me, if the Vikings lose, I'm kind of still iffy about the Lions. But if the Lions lose, yeah. I'm really sure about the Vikings. Like I, I, I don't understand. I can't explain it, but I just feel like the Vikings will, will they have a better chance at coming back from a loss than the Lions do. And the Lions have less losses than them. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing where people have been... I mean, people have been really down on Matt Patricia. So I could understand that. It feels like Matt Patricia still has um, more to... I guess just more to prove as a coach. People were going into the season thinking that he may be the worst coach in the league. And oh, then wow. he comes out and, <laughs> you know... Has a has the Lions, you know, pretty much outperforming where they're at right now, which I thought was pretty interesting because he hasn't, uh, you know, the Lions are the Lions, you know, they haven't really done that much lately. But if he can steer them, at least make it competitive. I mean, he's doing which he has been doing already. You know, I think that's a lot more than people. Well, could and ask the thing for. is, Matt Patricia used to be the defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, so. If there's anything that he knows, it's going to be how to stop a good team in their tracks. So, yeah, you know, he, he's overperforming what a lot of people expected. Um, but he's I, I just don't think that he's – I know that they haven't been as great as they should be under him, but I don't think that he's ever out of a game like this, a rivalry game where um, where his the forte is going to be not on offense but on defense. Like that's where the focus has to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Anything else from the NFL world? No. You want no, to I about? think that's it for, for NFL. Like I said, the game of the week is on Sunday at 325. I believe it's an afternoon game. Oh, really quickly, last week I mistakenly said that there were only four receivers who had ever gotten 200-yard games. Oh, yeah. And what I was thinking of was 300-yard games. So that was a that was a blunder on my part. I apologize. Okay, all right, and so with the conclusion of that, we can move on now to the NBA talk. And as of now, Wednesday night, we are six days away from NBA season starting. And I think it would be just about time to do a little bit more of a preview of the Spurs and what exactly we should be expecting out of this team. And, um, you know, I think... um, I'm a lot more... Okay, so let's just start off right off the bat. We don't have to get very detailed right now. Just how are you feeling overall from your, um, I guess, uh, 
don't know. What's your overall mood about this team heading into this year? Hopeful. I'm I'm absolutely hopeful. I do not care about the scores that we've had in the preseason. I don't think we've won a game, have we yet in the preseason? No, we haven't. Yeah, and they haven't but and they haven't been very care. close, have they? Yeah, I don't I don't really care. I'm I'm ready for the like I'm in for it for all the tune ups and all this stuff and the warm ups. Um I'm very, very hopeful. I I see I don't see us missing playoffs. I see it being stacked and being hard, but I don't think that we miss it. Uh, but I'm also not overly confident. Yeah, I feel like anything it's going to be just much better off this year because, um, like we've alluded to in the past, I feel like this is the year that the drama is finally out of the way and we can just focus on basketball again. And I think this comes at a really good time when we have a lot more younger players on the team as compared to a typical Spurs team. I think that um, it's good to have, you know, the injection of youth that we have on the team now combined with the veterans and along with um, DeMar and LaMarcus, just like a couple of couple of all-stars who are not, you know, at the top of the league but are still like very um, solid anchors together to keep the team together and allow the rest of the team to do its thing. And um, I know were you going to say something? No, I was just going to say, I, I, I agree about the whole, like, it seems like the drama's over. I am on board with that. I love it. It's already been, we're two years removed now from the fiasco that was the Kawhi Leonard trade and whatnot. And yeah, I, I feel like that's not going to be talked about so much during the games, the announcers or anything like that. It's kind of an afterthought now for us. Well, for a lot of us, it still burns me, but for a lot of people. <laughs> Quick aside, did you see the new Clippers alternate jersey? I did. How do you feel? How do you feel about those? <laughs> I think I like them. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, is it? They're so weird. They're trying too hard. Here's my thing. Did you hear what Kevin Durant? Oh, well, you said you mentioned it. I think last time about what Kevin Durant said about the uh, Nets and the Knicks. About how. About how. People don't really want to go to the Knicks because yeah, they don't think it's cool, and they didn't exactly. they didn't grow up with the Knicks being good. Exactly, they're like the the like our generation didn't grow up with the Knicks being good. Like the Knicks aren't cool, and the Nets are. I feel like the yeah. Clippers took that to heart, and now they're just trying way too hard <laughs> to be cool to be cooler than the Lakers. I think. Oh man, I mean, it's definitely a different branding. The Lakers are all about tradition, and the Clippers now are all about what's new and trying to get an edge on a more I don't know I guess a more dated look I'm not sure but that's not it's I don't know it just seems old <laughs> English to me just seems like Hispanic you know like it seems like East LA oh, yeah. or South Central or yeah like East LA and all that stuff like but and then I'm not saying that that's bad like that's not bad at all I'm just saying like I I think they went down the wrong path when they were it's thinking inspired about inspired by Grand Theft Auto <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. It looks like they should be on the cover of the next Grand Theft Auto with, with, with that bald guy from every movie, and his name is always Hector, that bald gangster guy in the next movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, okay. If he doesn't Anyways. have season tickets, then the uniforms are a disappointment. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go back to the offseason then. In the offseason, they didn't really do much at all. Um, they let's see. They drafted Luka Shamanich and Keldon Johnson, um, and also Quindary Weatherspoon, who's going to be on a two-way deal, I think. And then, um, as far as um, moves after the draft, I mean, 
they didn't really do much aside from signing Damari Carroll and Trey Lyles. They were kind of forced into a plan B after the whole Marcus Morris oh, situation. Yeah. yeah, which for people who don't know, Marcus Morris had agreed to a deal with the Spurs to make room for Marcus Morris. They traded away Davis Bertans to um, the Wizards. It wasn't until after the trade was official that Marcus Morris backed out and signed with the Knicks. So we lost Davis Bertans for nothing and signed Trey Lyles in his place. And so after that, after that, the offseason was pretty much over. And if uh, and it looks like if the preseason is any indication, I think that they were pretty content with the roster as it was. And they just wanted to... Uh, I'm hoping that they're going to just get more of the younger players involved. I mean, I know they're for sure going to have DeJounte Murray back and probably starting. And, um, you know, the other young guy, I mean, Derek White, I think solidified his spot in the rotation last year. Lonnie Walker has been playing more in the preseason and I think has shown enough to warrant um, a spot in the rotation. It's pretty much going to be between him and Bellinelli to see who gets the backup minutes. And um, outside of that... Um, you know, they're comfortable, I mean, obviously comfortable with LaMarcus and DeMar, um, Jakob Pertl, and then, um, that's where things start getting really interesting as far as who are the backup bigs going to be, because it looks like the only people who are going to be playing center, it looks like, are, are, uh, Pirtle whenever he starts, and then LaMarcus when they want to go small, because it looks like they want to continue using a smaller lineup with Rudy Gay and Damari Carroll at the four. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I even know another, another like, sure shot big man that we have on the on the roster besides those two who are already like solidified centers. You know what I mean? Centers are power yeah. forwards. I, I I don't even know what what. So is he, Damari Carroll plays a three or a four? Yeah, he's yeah he's in between. He usually traditionally he's a three, but I think he's big enough to play the four when needed. And I think that's what they're going to want to do is alternate between him and Rudy Gay doing the small ball power forward thing. So we're looking at a starting lineup potentially of what Dejounte, Derek, uh, Rudy. Oh no, sorry, Dejounte, Demar, Rudy, Demari, and Lamarcus. That's definitely one variation of it that they can go with. I think what I think the lineup is going to be is probably going to be Murray, Bryn Forbes, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Jakob Pertl. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I think I think Pop has always enjoyed starting out with a bigger lineup. He doesn't like going small right off the bat. And I don't think they can afford to take Bryn Forbes out of the starting lineup because he is easily their best three-point shooter on a team that desperately needs three-point shooting. So I think they would want to start off that way, too. Was he? But he wasn't a starter last year, was he? Um, Was he a starter? Or, uh, you know what, I think he was, but it was because it was Derek White instead of DeJounte at the point. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, DeJounte went out, and then Derek White also missed, like, the first couple of months because he had his own issues. And then Bryn Forbes got put into the starting lineup, and then that was... And then that was pretty much it. And then once Der- Derek White came back, they started him at the other guard spot. And it was him and Bryn to to complete the backcourt. Which I'm a big fan of. I really like Bryn Forbes a lot. And he has really been chucking it in the preseason. To the point that makes me wonder if they're actually, he's actually going to be featured more in the offense than he has been in it before. 
So he's in his what third year with the Spurs, something like that. Third or fourth year, I can't I can't remember exactly, but he slowly made his way up the ranks with the team. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, so are we in agreement that De- Dejounte is probably going to be the starter, even though Derek White did really really well last year? Yeah, yeah. I think Dejounte is just too good for that, and I think Derek at this point would probably be better coming off of the bench. I like him kind of being uh, uh, like an energy guy coming off the bench. Yeah. I think that's more I think that's more his alley than starting ahead of DeJounte. That would, just doesn't make sense to me. Like a Patty Mills towel twirler type role that we had back in 2014? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so uh, that's, the, that's the thing about this team is that they have so many pieces in the backcourt it's going to be pretty hard to figure out who gets the bulk of the minutes. Yeah, and so that's why I I think, and I can't tell who it's going to be, but I think there's got to be a trade in there somewhere. Like we, are we really going to keep that many guards? Let me see. Well, the team right now. Let me see, because it's going to be starting off with Dejounte, and backup probably going to be Patty Mills, and then in the and then at the shooting guard spot. It's going to be Forbes and Derek White, Lonnie Walker, Bellinelli. And then at the three, you have DeRozan. And if you if you want to uh, if you want to move one of those guys up to the three, either Bellinelli or Lonnie Walker to back up uh, DeMar at the three. That That's a – see, even that, it starts getting more complicated because this team is so fluid with a bunch of uh, – with a bunch of players who can play either position – and I can't really um we just have to wait and see how they plan on using plan on using each player because I could easily see them using Lonnie as a backup to 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 Bryn or to um or to Damar. And then with Rudy Gay and Damari Carroll, are they gonna be used more as a three? Or are they gonna be used more as a four? It just really depends more on um it just starts to trickle down from what they want to do with the bigs all the way down are they going to try to get another big to try to play more traditionally to try to even out the roster or are they gonna just roll with what they have and play a little bit more of a smaller lineup yeah i think so really the only person who's set in their position is Jakob. like he's the only one that's gonna stay yeah. at the five no matter what but yeah, like lamar will be anything else. four or five yeah rudy gay will be three four yeah yeah that's that's but you know what that's good though because we're not we, you don't want to be one deep anywhere, right? Like we have, we're 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 pretty deep on any roster spot. If anybody, God forbid, if anybody goes down, we have a number of people that that are willing to that are not green. Like they're very experienced. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this was one thing too. Um, now that you had mentioned it just a little while ago, do you think that this team needs to make a trade somewhere? I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to, because. I don't expect to win it this year. I do expect to be in contention, but I'm and what I mean by I don't expect I think we're in, we're in contention and I think we can do it, but if we don't do it and more than likely when we don't do it, I'm not going to be surprised by it. So I don't think it's a yeah. it's a boomer bust. I don't think we absolutely need to make a trade this year. If we do though, I I think it's got to be for a, a center, a center or a or a power forward, a big somebody in the front court. They are 
from a roster construction standpoint and from salary cap and assets, they're actually one of the more interesting teams in the league because they actually have a lot to work with in case they did want to make a big move. Like, I think if they wanted to go after, like, Bradley Beal or Kevin Love, they could put themselves in a position to do that. It would take a bit of sacrifice, but, um, you know, that just comes with the cost of getting, you know, all-star level players. And so, let's say, um, like, let's, um, okay, so let's say that they put together, let's say the Wizards call and say that they're putting Bradley Beal in the trading block, and they want, let's say they want, uh, Let's say they want DeMar DeRozan, Bryn Forbes, and a draft pick. What do you say? No. I wouldn't do that. I like I like I Bradley Beal, but that's another thing about the total trade scenario is that I get so attached with these guys on the Spurs team that I just don't want to trade yeah, any of them. Yeah, it gets hard. Yeah, because you're just like, what if? What if these guys turn out to be super badass? Yeah. It's just like... And so, I don't know. I just... Um, or like, what if... Um, what if Cleveland calls and say that they want, um, let's say that they want um, a package around uh, a package around Lonnie Walker for Kevin Love? That I think I can do. I'd, I'd be able to to do Lonnie Walker and then maybe another one of our young kids, second stringers, and a draft pick, but. But let's let's say it's let's say it's Lonnie let's say it's Lonnie Walker, Rudy Gay, and two first round picks. Oh man, no! Just for just for Kevin Love, he's still really good. I know people have forgotten about him, but he's still really good. Shit, yeah, yeah, I have forgotten about him. But Rudy Gay did really well for us last year, and two first round picks. I know we don't usually do anything with our first round picks, but. Damn, that's a high price. I think we could get for two first round. Well, I don't know because we usually have low first round picks. Yeah. Like bottom of the of the round. But no, no, I, that, I don't think I would pay that much for him. And another aspect, too, that I didn't really think much about until a story that I read recently was that, um, you know, Pop isn't going to be around forever. So let's say... And, I mean, I know we always say that, but, I mean, eventually it's going to be true. Let's say that he retires, like, in two years. Should, would he would he be content going out, just developing the roster as it is? Or should we try to make a big move for a star to try to salvage the remaining time that he has with the team? I don't think he's going to be one to do that. Should we do it for him? I think we should try to to win another one for him before he goes. Um, but I don't think that really matters to him. I don't think he really cares about let's get a superstar so that I can get another one. Like, I, especially now with with Timmy on his, it's gonna be more fun for him than anything now with Timmy on the bench with him. Yeah, you know. So yeah. I, I think that already is a big move that we've done for him for his waning years. Yeah, just I don't know. It's just. Um... I wonder if, and not necessarily coming from him, but I wonder if just from management, you think to yourself, we're probably never in team history going to have another coach like Greg Popovich. 
do we want to spend the remaining years figuring out if DeJounte is a star or if Lonnie Walker is a star as opposed to, you know, packaging as much as we can for a superstar that becomes available. Uh, because that's going to be the that's going to be the thing that dominates the next year because this past year it was all about the summer of free agency. Now all of the best players, most of the best players are, you know, tied up in their own contracts that they just signed that next summer is going to be dead. So any team wanting to make moves has to do it through trade now for the next year. I think um we could see we could see them moving or not wanting to wait to see if Lonnie's going to be a star. But I absolutely expect to wait to see if DeJounte Murray is going to be a star. Not only because Lonnie or because DeJounte is a starter, Lonnie isn't, you know, he's just been he's just been better. Um but because DeJounte Murray is really the only recognizable first round draft pick that we've had since what Tony or Manu whoever came last I don't think um and we had we took him oh well sorry since Kawhi Leonard I guess I should say but um is it yeah Kawhi I who else came after Kawhi um I don't know if you want to put Corey Joseph in that conversation um yeah, Thiago Splitter. I guess we took Thiago in the first yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that was before Kawhi, though. That was like 2008 or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Since Kawhi, I don't think there has been much. I think it's been... Uh, it was DeJounte. It was Derek. There was one year where we didn't have it. Um, I, I just think that, that we're kind of seeing, or I, anyways, personally see DeJounte as, as Pop's last, like birth to i guess hypothetical or birth to metaphorical death if you want if you will um from his like that was his last pick that he'll be able to see through as a starter until he leaves so i feel like we're more inclined to wait it out on him and see you know we owe it to pop to keep his his pick like that Dejounte murray and, and try to make him the superstar that we think that he can that everybody really thinks that he can be more so with Dejounte than with Lonnie Walker. I feel like we would trade Lonnie way before we would think about trading Dejounte. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, and speaking of which, they're actually playing right now, um, here in Houston, playing a preseason game against the Rockets. Wow. And um, let me see. After three quarters, Dejounte shooting eight for eleven for twenty points. I know it's just preseason, but God, this guy has been showing all the signs. Good, good, God, I'm so I'm so excited for this for this season already. I know, me too. And so, um, let me see what else did I want to talk about with them. Okay, so who who do you have taking a step up, and who do you have taking a step down? Um, taking a step up, I have. Uh, in terms of just production, right? Not like, oh, taking a step up in the roster or in the depth chart? Um, Yeah, just the overall. Just, well, however way you want to define it. who, how, However you want to define taking a step up and who that person is. In terms of taking a uh, production, I, I, I think Lonnie Walker will probably... I see him taking a step up. Um, really, because with how talented he is, there's really nowhere else to go from last year than up. I don't think he can get... I don't think he can regress from where he was last year. 
from the little production mm-hmm. that he did get last year. Um, taking a step back, though, as much as I love this guy, I, I see Patty Mills starting to fade. Just uh, We're just so much younger now, and we're so stacked at that position. This is going to be an interesting year for Patty because I think next year he's a free agent. And so I wonder if that would be enough reason to put him on the trading block yes. if he could be someone to be used as filler. Yes, absolutely. He's. I've been thinking that they were going to trade him since last offseason because of that because we have way too many people at that position and he's coming up on free agency anyways. Yeah, and same for same for Marco Bellinelli too. I think if there's anybody who's going to be taking a step back, I think it would be Marco. Yeah. Because even though he's one it's going to be really hard because he is probably their second best three-point shooter after Brent Forbes. Mm. But um he just doesn't really offer much else and I would just honestly would rather see Derek White and Lonnie and Bryn taking up all those minutes instead. And so a lot of it just depends on, I would say, like, I mean, the trade deadline is in February. I would say if in February it looks a lot like Derek and Lonnie um, can start taking on actual rotation minutes that they can be accounted for if they're, like, going to always be a solid 15, 20 minutes a night, then, yeah, I think you got to think about, you got to start thinking about moving those guys and seeing what she can get in their place. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and then um, for taking a step up, I mean, I I mean, I have to go Lonnie as well. Hmm. I mean, if if it's not Lonnie, then I mean, I guess you could say Dejounte because even though he missed last year, you compare what he did the year before to what he's doing now, and I think he's miles above what he did before. Like it's crazy, and I think um, I think it goes a long way to show that uh the team is like really excited and talking up about how much of an improvement he's going to be this year. And, uh, you know, the Spurs, they, they like to keep things in house. They don't really talk much about the development of their young players. So when they speak up about it, it's probably true. Yeah, absolutely. And so with that, I mean, I just, um, I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting year. It's going to be a lot of, uh, and and not only with the young guys too, but I think with also with Demar and Lamarcus because I think to those guys, they have to get their um, they have to get their future contract situation settled with the team too because I think this would be um, this year is Demar's last year, and I think Lamarcus has one more year, but it's not fully guaranteed. Mm-hmm. If uh, so, if you're the, if you're the Spurs, do you do you extend Demar? I would extend Demar, yeah. I would extend Demar. I don't think that his price should be too high. Um, it, it, I mean, he's making. Let me look up his contract. No, yeah, keep going. I'll look up his contract. Yeah, if it's superstar money, then then I see trying to trying to offload him. Um, but honestly, personally, and like I said, I don't want to. I I hate parting with any of the Spurs players. But personally, if it came down to Demar or Lamarcus, I'd rather keep Demar. I think. I think that we could get more for LaMarcus, too. Yeah, this next year, um, DeMar is making $27.7 million. Oh, shit. So an ex- yeah, so an extension would have to be in that ballpark, I would say, between 27 and $30 million a year, which I, c- I can't imagine going for more than two or three years. How, how old is he? If they were to decide. He is... Um, 
Let me see. He was born in '89, so that means he's about he's to be 30. thirty. Yeah, or thirty now. No, yeah, he's. That's yeah, not. He's that's 30. not too bad. That's not too bad. And then for Lamarcus, let me see what's his contract situation. He is. Let me see. He's thirty-four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this year he's making. Uh, this year he's making twenty-six. Oh wow! And. And for next year, only, oh shit, I did not realize this. Um, so he, so next year he would be projected for 24, but only 7 million of that is guaranteed. But the day to decide if it's guaranteed or not is June 29th of next year. So they have to decide before free agency next year whether they want to move him or cut him. Oh, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, so that's going to yeah. So, so they save a lot of money uh, by cutting them. Yeah, so if they wanted to, if they wanted to go into next summer with a lot of salary cap, they could do that by letting, not even letting Demar go, but just letting him become a free agent and also um, offloading or cutting uh, Lamarcus. Yeah. But then the but then the 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 downside to that is that next summer is not going to be as star-studded of a summer as this past summer was. Everybody is ramping up for 2021, not next year. I see. Yeah, yeah. Well, then, well, yeah, that that makes it difficult for us. Well, I mean, maybe they just do a two-year, one of them is a player option, or two-year, one of them is a team option, you know? Something yeah, to where we're, possible we're, too. We can still have them on contract, but we don't. We could still unload them before that big summer comes in. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. They kind of. I remember. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, they did do that with Pau Gasol before, whenever they had re-signed him once. Oh, I just I got. I, can... I just got tagged in a video that from Bleacher Report, and the caption is Dejounte Murray puts the clamps on James Harden, and he just yeah. absolutely shut him down. Yeah, he shuts him down and then takes it back for the and one. Yeah. It's crazy. This guy is gonna be really good. I love it. I love that kid. Okay. All right. So fun. Okay. So so expectations going into next year. What um, what um, what round? How many wins do you think? And what rounds should be appropriate expectation for the Spurs next year? Uh, I think we're. I think we're around 50 wins, 48 to 50. I think we should be over 50. Um, and and I think I'll, I'll be upset if we lose in the first round. Yeah, I'm pretty much on that same on that same spectrum as you. I think anything I mean nothing if if they go below 48 wins it's not a failure but it would be a bummer and i think they do have what it takes to get to the to get to the second round even though getting to the second round is going to be really competitive when you think about mm-hmm. it i mean it sounds like just um off of how they did last year and you know the expectations for them to improve this upcoming year it would make sense for them to to expect them to make it to the second round but then that would mean you think about the other teams who are expected to make it uh, the lakers clippers Jazz, Rockets. Um, yeah, we're gonna play. We, we're really gonna have to get at least like a middling seed. That way, we don't end up playing the Clippers in round one. 
Yeah, so the Spurs advancing to the second round means that one of those teams is going to be knocked out in the first round. And it's also really hard to imagine one of those teams being knocked out so early, too. Unless things just go horribly, just, you know, account for injuries, things like that. I want the Nuggets. <laughs> the Nuggets are actually, I I actually like the Nuggets a lot this year. I don't mind them. I mean, I like them. I like they're a good team, but I want to come back and beat them. They're actually, they are actually, um, one thing that they have in common with the Spurs is that they also have pieces to make a move if they really wanted to. Mm-hmm. So they can stick with Jokic and Jamal Murray, but they can package up, you know, other guys that they have on their team and bring back somebody like Bradley Beal. Mm-hmm. And I think that would, I think that would be enough to get them to the finals in the co- in the finals conversation. Really? Wow. Yeah. No, I really like the Nuggets. They're really, they're really fluid. They, you know, they have a lot of young guys. They have a lot of good, uh, valuable. Um, versatile guys and anybody and if they feel like they do need to make a move they have the means to make it happen so I think they're a little bit underrated right now I get that I get that should be exciting alright okay so anything else you want to say about this first no not not yet (laughs) okay so um, yeah so NBA tips off on Tuesday but their first game is going to be on Wednesday against the Knicks Oh, that's a good that's a good matchup to start the to start the season. Okay, so let's see. Uh, it'll be the Spurs' revenge game against Marcus Morris. Yes. Oh God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me see here. Okay, so uh, fantasy players. I wanted to bring this up too for fantasy players to stay away from for the next upcoming year. Last year, I talked a little bit about the guys who I'm really high on. And uh, this this week, I want to talk a little bit more about guys who I think who were really good last year, but I think are due for a step back. And um, I think it's pretty... It wasn't until I wrote down the names that I realized that I wrote down three of the five guys that I had written down were uh, the three guys who were a part of the previous Clippers Lob City era. <laughs> Yeah, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan. I'm down on all those guys this year. Oh, yeah. Chris Paul was one of the main ones that ESPN said to avoid this year as well. Now, he has the means to be really good, but I just don't... I just don't trust him to stay healthy. It's like he... I mean, he has... I mean, he... His team is not as talented as it was before, but... But uh, he does have the reins again. He's the number one guy on the team. Everything will have to go through him. But um, it just uh, depends a lot on his health. And also, for padding his stats, it depends on the health of the rest of the guys, too. And I don't know if you can really count on the rest of the team staying healthy as well. And with Chris Paul, I mean, I don't know. I think, I mean, he he wasn't horribly injured these two years that he was on the Rockets, but I also don't think that, uh, he should be counted for any, for, he should be counted on for anything more than like 60 to 65 games at this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then with Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin had an amazing year last year. Like he was like a distant MVP candidate for the, for the Pistons. He put up a I don't know if people realize this because he was in Detroit where you know, nothing was really going on with him. But last year, he had a he had a career high in points per game and career high in games played overall. 
Wow. Yeah, no, I had no idea about that. Yeah, he played in 75 games last year and averaged 24.5 points a game. And he's also shooting threes now. He averaged two and a half threes a game too. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and 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 now and now you're saying that he's just gonna lay an egg. I mean, it's Blake. I mean, he has the same problems as Chris Paul. I mean, those, these guys have have a have a horrible track record of getting injured. And Blake Griffin playing 75 games on a Pistons team that's probably I mean. Probably doesn't mind it in Detroit, but I mean that team isn't really playing for anything at this point. Like they didn't really get a whole lot better this year, mm-hmm. and so I can I can imagine him sitting out or um, you know getting more rest games. Or if he does get injured, they take it a little bit more liberally and letting him rest a little bit more than what should be expected. And uh, I don't know that would he would sneakily be another player that I can imagine a team feeling like they need to take another step trading for. But again, it just depends on his health and I'm just not that high on him. Yeah. And then the last two guys that I wanted to finish off with were number one, uh, Draymond. Not that high on Draymond really? at all. Last year he was a fantasy nightmare and I think this upcoming year, it's just going to get worse because he's going to be stretched so thin on defense that he's not going to be able to put up the stats. He's going to be too busy doing the man-to-man defense, all of the intangibles. You know, he'll get his blocks, he'll get his steals, he'll get his assists. But, I mean, he's not going to score, and last year his three-point range was absolutely non-existent. And I don't really... I don't really see that coming back. He would really have to just, like, change up his style of play on offense to be worth um, a lot of money in fantasy. I just don't. I just don't see it happening. And especially with uh, with uh, D'Angelo there now, especially. And then when once Clay is back, you got Steph, Clay, D'Angelo. There's not going to be any touches for him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I keep forgetting about D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a weird one because I think. Uh, whether or not he plays well, I could see them going either way with with him. Even if he plays well, they could either hang on to him because he's fitting in well, or they can trade him because, I mean, they don't really. I don't. I don't buy that they're investing in him mm-hmm. because, I mean, they got him because that was the player that they could get in exchange for Kevin Durant. Yeah, that was that. That was all what it was, and so I don't think they're that invested in him. And I think if they if someone else comes along. They can they'll they'll take him. They're just gonna let him raise his stock and then trade him. Yeah, yeah, I can see that happening for sure. And then last but not least, I have Victor Oladipo on the Pacers. No, He's my go- dark horse Pacers. <laughs> he uh, this isn't his year. Next year will be his year. But he's he um was it last year he's still out with a torn patella tendon that he tore last year he's not expected to come back until january i think and um even at that i just don't buy that as soon as he comes back he's just going to be the same victor oladipo that we saw last year i mean if he is that's amazing he was really really good last year and i think he made an all nba team last year but um yeah, no, he's going to be a guy that's going to need to take some time, and especially with the changes that were made in Indiana, uh, not only with him getting his health, but getting uh, his health back, but also adjusting to his new teammates. I think these are things that are just going to take time, and I don't think it's worth that much in fantasy value. 
someone's gonna someone's gonna draft him and someone's gonna hang on to him at the end of their bench, hoping that he turns out to be a diamond in the rough. I mean, it could pay off or it could all just be a waste of time. It's gonna be a big risk. Yeah, yeah. Anybody or not even it doesn't have to be from fantasy standpoint, but anybody who you expect in the league to take a step back. Are you you asking me? Yeah, yeah. Anybody who I expect to take a step back. Hmm. Uh. Can I can I count uh, Dwight Howard? Is there a way that he can take a step back? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh my god if he takes a step back i don't know how much of a step back that guy can take i think uh pascal is gonna take a step back oh god no i couldn't be any more disagree in <laughs> disagreement about that dude pascal's gonna be a star for me i don't think so i think i, I don't i don't see i think maybe he get bounces back later in the year or next year but i don't <laughs> think that he's gonna come out storming like he did like he played last year i'll put it this way i would be shocked if he's not an all-star uh well that's that's not fair. The East kind of is not very deep. No 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 no. Uh, I I won't be shocked if he's not an All Star. I mean I won't be shocked if he is an All Star, but he's gonna take a step back from what he was from the possible Finals MVP that everybody was talking about. I think he's gonna take a step back. Hmm. Oh, well, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. But uh, <laughs> I'm still gonna be riding for Pascal. Yeah. Okay. All right then. Well, then I guess that just about does it. Next week we'll be talking about um, seeing if the Cowboys can recover from this debacle that they're going through against the Eagles, and also um, doing awards for uh, the NBA season, which would be tipping off next week as well. Absolutely. So I guess that just about covers it. You got anything else to add? No, I think that's good, except for the usual. Thanks for listening. Hit us on uh, Facebook or Twitter if you have any questions, comments, or uh, anything you disagree with, or any kind of trade rumors or trade uh, trade uh, requests that you've gotten in your fantasy football leagues. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, then. Okay, so that's Hector. I'm John. This is Double Shot. See you next week. Catch you later. All right.